48 years old playing baseball again in Australia. I didn't know Australia had a baseball league. Yeah, neither did I. I didn't know that uh, Manny Ramirez was still playing either. I mean, since he left the Red Sox, you know, his career kind of went down the tanker because he was kind of slow in the back end of his days. Uh, I remember watching baseball back with my dad. He and I used to, or not he and I, my dad used to call him slug. (laughs) He played, he was great with the Indians. Yeah, and then he went to the Red Sox and he won a World Series. Yeah, let's not talk about that. Okay. Smith and Seidel starts in three, two, one. And welcome everyone into the Smith and Seidel Show podcast. I'm Jacob Seidel. There's Zach Smith. For new Flex Seal Clear. Why why would I be here on behalf of Flex Seal Clear? They I could be. We could be. I uh, could Phil be. Phil Swift. Phil Swift. Come, bring it bring it to us. The new Billy Mays. Come on. Our Prometheus, as John Tron would put it. Phil Swift. We will do anything and everything to get a sponsorship from Flex Tape. I think that's the one product Zach and I can agree on. We want sponsored by the most. You're just sitting here essentially on your knees begging for Flex Seal to sponsor. <laughs> I really that's am. That's essentially what you're doing. Well, I mean, if one person starts sponsoring us, then more people start sponsoring us. I guess with that logic, yes. So, yeah, I guess we'll just tag Phil Swift on TikTok. See what he says. Okay, we're going to start this one from the top like we do every week, Zach. Oh, unless. Ah, interesting article I'll read later. So today in sports history, and this one's on the day of recording and technically day of release, because I'm going to release this as soon as we're done recording, basically on December 16th, 1972, the Miami Dolphins became the first undefeated team in NFL history at 14-0-0. That's big. And I then that's during the dynasty days of the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins are trying to get back to that phase right now. But the, the dynasty of the Dolphins were the days where you had Dan Marino back there at quarterback, and he's, he's just – Hucking dimes. Uh, they went. They are still the league's only undefeated team to go seventeen and zero. Um, that's that's not going to happen this season, and it has not happened since the seventy two Dolphins. So it's big. That that that's a big stat line right there too. Yeah, and the the members of that team, whenever a undefeated team goes down, they'll all get together and break out a bottle of wine or something. But it was actually uh I need to make sure I pronounce this guy's name right. Bob Grease was the quarterback of that team. This was way before the Dan Marino days. I think at one point I said it was the Dan Marino days too, but it's a good thing we fact check on this show. It, huh? it is. It is. Um, 
but still the only team to ever go undefeated and win the Super Bowl. So it wasn't Marino I was thinking of then. I think you were thinking of Ace Ventura 2. Or no, the first Ace Ventura. I don't remember what what I was thinking of. Apparently I was wrong. Wrong. Whoops. Well, we go from the league's sorry, only ever undefeated place. team to the NFL's last undefeated team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they are not undefeated. They, uh, in fact, lost two weeks ago to the Washington football team. And now they just lost to the Buffalo Bills on Sunday night football. Um, not not the best of games out of this offense. The offense seemingly has lost their identity. But, you know, you look at a couple of the other facts in here. The Pittsburgh Steelers without multiple defensive starters. Uh, Robert Spillane out with a knee injury who was in there for Devin Bush, the second year promising linebacker who tore his ACL earlier this year. Bud Dupree, who went out against the Baltimore Ravens, Joe Hayden out with a concussion. So the defense playing with a lot of different pieces, the defense only let up about 19 points, but where this game really swung was a pick six right before the end of the half. And then you look at, you know, Stefan Diggs, Stefan Diggs, the first player in the NFL this year to catch a hundred passes, finished with a stat line of 10 catches, 130 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the Steelers now fall to 11 and two after losing 26, 15 to the Buffalo bills. So I guess my question for you, my friend is, are the Steelers in trouble? Zach, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think so. If they get the, if they get their defensive players back, I think they are still the top team in the NFL right now, especially the AFC. The issue is big Ben is not playing like the big Ben we've seen all year. He's throwing interceptions. He he's looking like he went from looking hall like future Hall of Famer Big Ben to rookie Big Ben in the matter of one game. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's got the yips or if it's just all around team injury bugs that are just bugging everybody. But if the Steelers want to win, well, if they want to, they have to beat. The Bengals, if they don't beat the Bengals, the Browns are right on their heel with the remaining schedule the Browns have. But this is a game coming up that the Steelers need to win and they need to win it convincingly, I think, to get out of their own heads. The biggest thing that I can say and the reason why Ben Roethlisberger switched in that game is because it's a one dimensional offense. And I've been sitting here saying it for weeks on end. The running room in Pittsburgh needs an infusion of something. It needs to be, hey, we need to go. Hey, we need to do better. Mike Tomlin went out and said right after the uh, Washington football team game last week, right before the Buffalo Bills game, he turned and he said, hey, look, receivers who don't catch the ball, we are going to put receivers and and players in who can catch the ball. Deontay Johnson dropped two of his first three passes and he was benched the entire first half beyond that point. Eric Ebron dropped a couple and he was benched and suddenly you didn't see as many drops anymore, at least from what I saw. So, you know, the, the passing game is fine. You got to stop throwing it short and you got to connect on these deep balls. Getting pass interference is awesome, but you can't do that. What you need is to balance this offense out. 
if you can run the ball and you can control the clock, you're going to be fine. As I said, the momentum of this game shifted like that. The second Pittsburgh threw an interception that resulted in a pick six at the end of the half. You said it yourself. Cincinnati is a big game. Monday night football. The Steelers just got done playing three games in 12 days. Now, a lot of people are already saying the Steelers are done. I don't believe that. I think that the Steelers are just a little banged up and a little tired. Um, you try all the preparation and physicality that players go through for one week. Imagine getting ready for three of them in less than two. So the Steelers get a full week plus an extra day because Monday night football against the Bengals. The Steelers have to go to Cincinnati. They play the Colts in Pittsburgh and then they get the Browns in Cleveland. The Steelers have to win out and hope that the Chiefs lose two games in an effort to get that number one seed back. If they can do that, Pittsburgh has the one seed. But I don't know at this point. The Steelers have to win Cincinnati against Cincinnati, I should say. And I think the thing that's really going to help this team out is the fact that they are essentially playing a a more injury-stricken Bengals team than the one they faced earlier this year. And the Bengals' offensive line isn't going to stand a chance against the Steelers if they just went out and put a high school team on the roster right now. That, that, yeah, that that's a bit that, of a, that's a bit of an exaggeration. the The offensive line for Cincinnati is not good. Look at it this way: you lost your potential star quarterback for the years to come because the offensive line couldn't protect him, and therefore tore his ACL and MCL, and Joe Burrow's done for the year. Joe Mixon's on IR. Your second string quarterback, Brandon Allen, if I read correctly, is hurt. Ryan Finley is who you've got. He's the guy who has to come. Wow, I just knocked over things on my desk. I'm um, okay. Okay. Do that point again, right. Zach, because we lost you for a hot okay. second. Okay. Ryan Finley is the guy that has to come in now and, and play well for a team like this to succeed. And I don't know if he can do that. Um, from a defensive standpoint, this is the game Pittsburgh is going to be able to sit there and, and play well like they typically do. Offensively, this is going to be a game where Ben Roethlisberger and the rest of this offense are going to give be given an opportunity to sit there and make plays. And that's what they need to do. Wake up James Conner. Let him run the ball for 150 yards. Turn Ben Roethlisberger. Complete 10 deep balls. Let Chase Claypool go over 100 yards. You got to get this offense up and moving and off the ground. Pittsburgh will be in the postseason. It's been clinched. It it is 100%. So on one end, are you going to sit there and save all your tricks for the end? Or are you going to show it and push to get that one seed? It's important. I don't know, but you said it, and I agree with it completely. Pittsburgh needs to beat the Bengals dominantly this weekend. And I don't think the Bengals stand even a half percent chance of coming close. Uh, I don't think so the, either. The Steelers. So the, the Bengals have nothing. They, like you said, they lost Joe Burrow. AJ Green is a bust. Like I don't, there's no way that the Steelers could lose this game unless the stadium is flooded by the Ohio Do you remember? River. Do you remember earlier this year when you and I talked about angry Aaron and how dominantly he played angry? I think you're about, I think you're about to see pissy Pittsburgh. I think you're about to see it. Pissed Pittsburgh is about to come out and play well. I mean, 
that that's my personal opinion. It's not the Steelers fan in me. This is the fact that you're going to go up against a like a really injured team on Monday night after losing two straight. If this Steelers team is legit, they hang 40 points on this Bengals squad. So Zach, what about the bills? Are the bills the real deal or are they, we'll go back to the among us reference. Are they the imposters right now in the AFC playoff picture? You know, from what I saw with the Buffalo Bills, I I really like what I saw. This is a team that passed the ball really well. Josh Allen, that was the game that we expected him to play every week in the NFL. That's the type of game that will make him the MVP one day. He is amongst the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Doesn't turn the ball over much, can pass the ball efficiently. He's worked on his mechanics. He's really good. Cole Beasley probably one of the best slot receivers in football. Stefan Diggs is fantastic. Not even mentioning John Brown, who's on IR. You know, you, you've got a fantastic team, a good O line. It's, it's pretty solid. It's a pretty solid O line, nothing to brag about, but nothing to complain about. So pretty good. Uh, and the defense is young. They, the defense is young. They're hungry and they get after the quarterback. They are fast and well coached. Uh, my one critique on Buffalo is that they don't run the ball. Well, um, other than Josh Allen rolling out and making plays like that, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss have been pretty much neutralized this year. Um, so to that extent, they need to be better, but I'd say the bills are the real deal. Yeah. Two of their three losses have come up against N or AFC uh, playoff contenders, uh, being the Kansas city chiefs and the Tennessee Titans, that third win, by the way, against the Arizona Cardinals. But you know, that was a win they needed to have. And Buffalo without fans in the stands on a cold Sunday night in Buffalo went and won against the Pittsburgh Steelers team that for many people is still their Super Bowl pick. So I give a lot of credit to that team and watching the game is disappointed in, in the Steelers. Buffalo played really well. They studied really well for that game. So I'd say they're the real deal. And just imagine what they'd be like if Bills Mafia was allowed in the stadium right now. They they would find a way to bring tables into the stands and break them in the stands after every touchdown. Like that's the Bills Mafia are probably getting sick of being at home because they have a legitimate Super Bowl contender for a team and they have to sit on their couch and watch him. Chris Collinsworth on the call Sunday night said, and I quote, if there was one game that I could turn and have a, uh, have a stadium at max capacity, if there was one game all year, it would be that one, the bills at steel or the Steelers at bills. Uh, so the, the bills look really good, but the one thing I will say, and this is the stat I will bring up under Sean McDermott, the Buffalo bills are Owen two in the playoffs. They have to be able to win those types of close games. This might be the most competitive AFC playoff picture I have seen in quite a long time. So it's it's nothing for anybody right now to just say, oh, you're an easy win. But for Buffalo, I think Buffalo can pretty much square up with whoever they want. And it's going to be fun in these last three weeks of this season. We'll go down to was this in uh, Indianapolis or was this in Vegas? This was in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. At Allegiant Stadium. Raiders got blown out on their home field, and the defensive coordinator was fired. And the Raiders, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this now. I think if the weather was good in Cleveland, 
the when the Browns and Raiders met, it would have been a 50-point blowout loss for the Raiders. I don't know. And you, you can make comments like that, It's it, but then, then you open up the can of worms of what if. Well, what if um, this player was like this? What if, you know, James Conner went off? What if Baker Mayfield didn't throw that interception on Monday Night Football? So I'm you, not, you, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll amend that statement. If this Raiders team and the Browns team we see now met again, it would be a 50-point blowout. I will amend my statement. I would agree with that. As it stands right now, the Raiders 7-6 and six on the outside looking in if the playoffs were to start to, today. However, the Indianapolis Colts at 9-4 and four maintain pace with the number four Tennessee Titans. So that brings up my question. This Colts defense looking dominant yet again. Uh, another pick six, getting after Derek Carr plenty of times, a couple of really, really good interceptions, mainly one in the end zone against Darren Waller. But let, let me ask you this question. Overall, who would you say has the best defense in the NFL? Is it the Chiefs? Is it the Steelers? Is it the Colts? Washington? Who would you say it is? Oh, the the best defense in the NFL right now. And we'll talk about them in a little bit, but it's going to be the Washington football team. They are going to win the NFC least because their defense has been able to make up for some of the poor offensive play we've seen. And we'll see what happens. I don't know if Alex Smith is out for this next week. I know he left the game. Zach, you're shaking your head. No, he should be in. He will be in. So I'm you, 98% sure. You have your quarterback, and nothing pumps up a quarterback more than great defensive play. Have you, you've seen the pictures of Baker Mayfield going up to his defense after a turnover. All the big-name quarterbacks are always fired up when the defense makes a play for them. And I think that's what's going to make Washington dangerous in the playoffs. But again, we'll get to talk about that in just a little bit. Yeah, I, w I would agree with you. And you want to talk about a team where defense wins championships? I, I got to sit here and say that that's the case with Washington. Um, there's a couple of other defenses that I, wa I want to give at least really close second places to. You know, when you when you look at best defenses in the NFL, you look at it from a wide variety of things. Uh, so Washington would be in that conversation. I would definitely be throwing Pittsburgh and uh, Indianapolis in there. Those the front seven on both of those teams get after the quarterback. Uh, the Steelers defense leads the league in turnovers and sacks, sacks a game. It's a really, really tough and well-rounded defense. The Colts, DeForest Buckner, what a trade that was. He is just been perfect on that defensive front and the other defense that i really want to give a shout out to was the miami dolphins i don't know what it is but the miami dolphins have been playing out of their mind this year um you got Xavier howard and byron jones arguably the best corner duo in the nfl playing back there and they made baker uh patrick mahomes look human but to take a step back you know Derek Carr of the Vegas Raiders. We have seen games where he has looked like the future for the Raiders and he's a he's a Super Bowl quarterback and what have you. And then there are the last two weeks where he has barely beaten the Jets because of a, a cover zero with two seconds left and you just make the right read. And then this week you look for lack of better terms, terrible 
terrible against the Colts. So my, my question to you, sir, is, you know, do, do the Raiders need to go buy a shiny brand new car and get a new quarterback or do they stick with the old reliable car that they have in their garage? So I've, I've got a, I've got a good answer for this one. But first, I want to go back and say it's not just this year we've seen this from Derek Carr. He has not been the same since his injury uh, a few years ago. I can't remember the season. I want to say 2016. Yeah, 2016. I want to say when the Raiders were poised to make a Super Bowl run and then just ran, came up short. He is the most inconsistent starting quarterback in the NFL right now. I'm not saying out of every consistently good quarterback and consistently bad quarterback, he is the most inconsistent quarterback. There are games where he looks like the next Tom Brady, and then there's games where he looks like Johnny Manziel in the CFL. I don't know what's going on with him, but I think in order to get him to like give him the kick in the pants he needs, the Raiders need to draft a quarterback. This is a very quarterback, uh, deep quarterback draft coming up. Take a young guy, might show Derek Carr, okay, I need to figure out what's going on and I can fix it so I don't lose my job to this young gun. And then if it doesn't work out, if Carr continues to decline in his performance, you've got the next guy up that's been training for training. Vegas is not a team that's going to draft a rookie quarterback to play them this year. Vegas should be the team that drafts a rookie quarterback to sit behind their veteran. So a learn B take over if said veteran can't handle it anymore. So let, let me ask you this question. The Raiders over the offseason signed Marcus Mariota, the former quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. Do you maybe see uh, Coach Gruden go and say, okay, Marcus, you're going to go in and get a couple more snaps, put pressure on him like uh, the Eagles just did with Jalen Hurts? Or what do you, what do you think? If that was going to happen, it should have happened already. I think this year it's Derek Carr's job to lose. We'll see going into training camp next year where John Gruden's mind is. But yeah, I could see that happening. Mariota wasn't a horrible quarterback in Tennessee. He was just, just the wrong system. Wrong system, surrounded by not surrounded by the offensive talent that Tennessee has now until really last year when he lost the starting job. But yeah, wrong system. You put him in the right system, he can play with the big boys. And I think it's about time Mariota gets a shot. I do. I think he's going to this year. Probably not. But if you put him in Gruden's system, I think he could succeed. I agree with you. And when you look at different teams and you look at different organizations and stuff, when it comes down to it, like in the NBA, it's all about the players you have. When you're looking at the NFL, it's about coaching. You could have the most star-studded lineup ever created and still have problems and still fail. So you you look at scheme and fit is the best thing. And the, the best quarterback to give you an example of is the guy who took the job from Mariota in Tennessee. That's Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill was on the verge of being called a bust. 
I, a first round bust with Miami just was injured and, and couldn't do anything. And you know, what, what are, what's Ryan Tannehill going to do? Tennessee turns and says, we're, we're going to give him a shot. And Mariota faltered. And do you want to know what Tannehill made the most of his opportunity? And Ryan Tannehill is not the worst quarterback in the NFL. He's not the best, but he's not the worst by any means. It's all about scheme and knowing how to use the guys that you have in your building. If Carr is the guy, then you roll with Carr. Carr in and of itself, he's he's a little bit older now. He is not he's not the young guy he used to be. And you mentioned the Raiders at a point were 12 and 4. They were the number 1 seed going into the playoffs and they lost Carr to a leg injury and just there are portion, portions of that where it's it's just so hard to come back from. So in in that regard, I I understand. But you got to sit here on the other side of it and say, okay, this is a little bit on everybody else. Josh Jacobs needs to wake up. And I think if you, if you were to ask me, I think Gruden should be put on the hot seat a little bit. He has helped revive this Raiders team, but this is now the second year that they were in playoff positioning. And now they're on the outside looking in the Raiders can still get into the postseason. It's not out of the question, but the Raiders need to start winning and I don't know if I see them doing that. They need to stop looking like bums when they walk out on the gridiron. And that, I'm, uh, yeah, that's a little bit of an insult. They look like bums the last two weeks. It, it's a tale of two teams. Are you getting the team that shows up against the Kansas City Chiefs, beats them once, and then almost beats them twice? Are you that team? Or are you the team that almost loses to the New York Jets and then loses handily to the Colts? You need to find that out and you need to find that out fast or else you're going to be losing a lot more than just a couple of games. You're going to see stars walk out of the building. You need to continue to build this team and coach Gruden and Mike Mayock are doing a great job over there building that culture and building that team. But it, you, you got to make up your mind. Are you looking to win now or are you looking to win two, three seasons down the road from now? If the answer is not right now, you got to dump car. You have to dump him. You're right. You're right. And while we were a little bit on the subject of the Chiefs, we'll go to their game against the Miami Dolphins. And Zach, you have you have a really good question down here on our show schedule. Are the Chiefs actually unbeatable? No, they are not unbeatable. And yeah, you may be just sitting here talking to the humble old Pittsburgh Steelers fan, but the Kansas City Chiefs that I have seen in the past few weeks don't look unbeatable to me. Now, yeah, they, their last loss was a good couple of weeks ago against the Raiders when the Raiders won 40 to 32 in Kansas City. But let, let me relay a couple of these past couple of weeks scores. I'm going to go back to the Panthers. The Panthers lost to Kansas City. In Kansas City, 33-31 to 31 after Joey Sly missed like a 63-yard field goal. The Chiefs beat the Raiders in Vegas, 35-31, to 31, as Patrick Mahomes drove down the field with less than two minutes and scored a touchdown to win the game. The Buccaneers game, 27-24 in Tampa Bay. The Chiefs won that game. Tom Brady threw a couple of interceptions, almost brought it back, but couldn't. The Denver Broncos played the Chiefs 
in Kansas City and lost 22-16, as injured as the Broncos have been this year. And then the Chiefs go to Miami. Miami was up 10-0 at one point. At one point, Miami was up 10-0 and surrendered like 30 points unanswered. They unanswered a lot of points. But the Miami Dolphins made it a game in the fourth quarter, and the Chiefs won on a gutsy fourth down call. So, are the Chiefs unbeatable? Absolutely not. Patrick Mahomes threw three interceptions in this game and barely held on against the Dolphins. The Dolphins, who did not have a starting running back. A Dolphins team that lost Devontae Parker and the rest of the receiving core pretty early on. This Kansas City team is going to run into somebody. And they're playing with fire. I think I think that's the best way to describe it is that the Kansas City Chiefs are playing with fire. I don't know if it's that they're they they just can't close games out. You're up you you go on a 30 point run. You're up 33 to 10, I believe, at one point. And Miami almost brings it back. You have to be able to close out games. And this Kansas City defense has been very skeptical. And if you turn and you force Patrick Mahomes to make mistakes, you can take advantage of it. Are the Chiefs a one-and-done come playoff time? No. No? Absolutely not. So, as it stands right now, Kansas City has the number one seed in the playoffs. Kansas City would need to lose two games, and Pittsburgh would need to win out to get that one seed back. Kansas City's going to get that extra week, and it's going to be the week where Andy Reid turns and tells his team, look, guys, we're in trouble here. Kansas City needs to play like it's in trouble here. If you're looking at the schedule remaining for Kansas City, they have to go to the Superdome this weekend to play Drew Brees and the Saints. Drew Brees is supposed to be back this week. That's the biggest game, if you if you ask me. Atlanta, I could see the Falcons putting a push on it. The Falcons are actually an offense that I could see put pressure on the Chiefs. Any offense in the NFL that could go toe-to-toe like offensive to offensive, it's the Falcons, I think. The Falcons have the offensive talent to do it. Defensively, I don't think you do. Uh, and then you got the Chargers, week 17. Um, I don't see the Chiefs as a one-and-done team unless they have to go and play somebody they've already played this year, like the Bills. I could, I could see that Bills game being different later this year. If the Dolphins were to make it into the postseason, I don't think that you would want to see the Chiefs play the Dolphins again. I don't think the Chiefs would want the Miami to be anywhere near them. Um, do I think they're a one-and-done team? No, I don't. But do they need to start playing better like there's a target on their back? Oh, absolutely they do. Because if, if Pittsburgh can get it together, Kansas City's in trouble. If Buffalo has found their stride, Kansas City's in trouble. Any one of these AFC teams right now could put a little bit of pressure onto Kansas City. So we'll move on now to what I believe was the best game of week 14. There were a lot of good games in week 14 this uh, year, Zach. But the Browns and Ravens first energy stadium in Cleveland. And holy cow. Game of the year, question mark. Zach, yes, this is the game of the year so far. Am I upset that the Browns lost? Yes. Am I mad that the Browns lost? Not at all. They've got three. They need two wins to make the playoffs. They can get that in the next two weeks. 
And if they really need to, I think they can upset Pittsburgh week 17. Uh, we'll to find out then, but you've got the Giants this week on Sunday Night Football, which uh, will be the latest primetime game ever hosted in Cleveland, uh, which is going to beat out this game by a week. Latest in the season, I should mention. This game had everything. It had nine rushing touchdowns, which tied an NFL record from before half the teams in the NFL existed. It was a ridiculous game. Baker Mayfield struggled a bit in the second half, but the last two drives able to march the Browns down the field. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were able to run really well, but the big storyline in it is Lamar Jackson went down, came back, or he went into the locker room, then came back when Trace McSor- right when Trace McSorley went down. What kind of miraculous recovery did he have? that he was able to come in and play those few downs. And what irony is it that the receiver that dropped, what, three passes already in that game caught the winning, what became the game-winning touchdown? The Browns have no reason to, like, hang their heads from this game at all. The Browns looked good. The issue was they didn't have the speed up front to keep Lamar Jackson in the pocket. Outside of Miles Garrett, who was able to really keep pace with him most of the night when he was running outside, missed tackles, and you're missing Denzel Ward right now. But there's rumors Greedy Williams could come back for the one of the last few games of this season, and I think that would be a big boost the Cleveland secondary desperately needs. I, I think the biggest problem with this Cleveland team, and I've said it all year, is the defense. Um, on paper, the Browns had the best offense in football. On paper. There are moments where I sit there and I question Baker Mayfield and I still do question him, his decision making and stuff like that. This was a game that, again, it's very similar to, you know, some of these other teams we've been saying is teams that we thought are, were going to hit their stride earlier this this year. You know, I'm sitting here saying, where's this Baker Mayfield been all year long? Um, it's it's a combination of running game really getting going it's a combination of baker mayfield making good decisions um this was the browns game to lose in my opinion the browns needed this game and baltimore came out and they played um the the secondary is hurt the secondary is just hurt uh grant delpit was done for the year early on greedy williams hurt denzel ward hurt you're you're playing with, for lack of better terms, a practice squad defense. And I think that's going to be the thing that pegs you this all, this postseason. I absolutely agree that the Browns are going to make the postseason. Do I see the Browns as Super Bowl contenders yet? No, I don't. And the reason being is that they still need those offensive pieces. Uh, the Def- rumors defensive being, pieces? Yes, the defensive pieces. Thank you. Um, there were rumors that Odell Beckham is done after this year. He's going to be traded from Cleveland. I've heard those rumors. Um, you've got a nice young receiving core, but outside of Jarvis Landry, you don't have anybody who I would consider a threat, if you if you know what I'm saying by that. And I, I um, would come back with you and say that the Browns have been using utilizing the tight end even more. They have. And it's been successful. You take a look at what Donovan Peoples-Jones, yeah, he's a rookie, but he's had a few really good games. He could be like the next OBJ-type player. The, my my biggest thing with the Browns still, though, is the defense. You are as 
for what we saw last year, you're a Miles Garrett injury away from being in trouble. I think I think that's the best thing. And you saw what happened the two games that he was out with COVID. The Browns struggled on defense. They picked him up, but it was tough. Um, I I don't think the Browns are the worst team in the postseason. I don't, but I don't have them as Super Bowl contenders yet. Um, and it's due to the defensive secondary being hurt, the lack of experience on the defensive side of the ball. You've got a lot of first and second year guys as starters on that defense. Uh, Mac Wilson, Sion Taki Taki. Um, Denzel Ward in his third season. Greedy Williams is in his second season. So, yeah, um, you, you've got a lot of inexperience on that team. Baker Mayfield's still a young QB, though he's been in the league now three, four years. He's still a pretty young guy. Um, as I, I, I was saying it in a couple of tweets, I was getting a couple of tweets on Sunday after the uh, the Steelers loss. Um, in all honesty, asking me week 17 Steelers Browns, what do you think? How much of a shot do you give Cleveland? And my answer was, it depends on what team we see. We have seen two Steelers teams. We've seen two Browns teams. We have seen Browns teams that have struggled to move the ball against good defenses and a Browns team who cannot, you know, play defense against good teams. And then we've seen a Browns team that can play up to the competition, can play well. That would be the Tennessee Titans game. That would be this. I would give them this game against Baltimore as one of those types of games. They played very, very well. There's just nothing stopping the most accurate kicker in NFL history from 40 yards out. You won't beat it. Um, and then with the Steelers, there's the offense that puts up points and points and points and points and a defense that'll stop you. And then there's the defense that'll still stop you. But the offense can't push the ball down the field. What team are we going to see? I don't know how well that game's going to be. I think it'll be a game, but I don't see it being all that tight. I'm not giving picks right now because I'm not I'm not looking to do that at this moment in time. However, you know, all I all the talk in the media is given and all the talk a lot of people have been about the Browns and even the Steelers is, you know, definite locks for the Super Bowl. Let's let's pump the brakes here. Let's pump the brakes just a little bit. I don't think the, any media outlets giving the Browns a lock for the Super Bowl. I've, I've seen a couple. I've seen a couple. So either way. This, you have to be very happy with this Browns team. Yeah, I am. You as a Browns happy. fan, me as a Steelers fan, I'm very happy with this Browns team. I used to be embarrassed that the Browns were in my division because of the fact they were just bad. But, you know, there, there's a lot of hope for this Browns team down the road. And while we're still on the subject of the game, I, I two things bother me. One I need to figure out how many times Baker Mayfield has been called for intentional grounding because the one in this game really, it, it pissed me off, man. How do you, how, how that he was, that ball was tipped. Someone had their arm on his arm and it was called intentional grounding when the ball's path was altered because of a defensive player Two, it took a challenge for 12 men on the field for the officials to find out that the Ravens had 15 players on the field. Three, every NFL official. We talk about the catch being the most contested play in the pro football. No, the most content, the most, the worst calls always come on offensive holding. They always call it when there's nothing and don't call it when there is. And I'm getting sick and tired of it. The NFL, NFL officials need to go back to school and learn how to call holding. 
I can't tell you how many times I sat watching the game, seeing Lamar Jackson running all over the field and seeing the Browns getting the Browns defense in particular, Miles Garrett getting held in plain sight. That's why part of me sits here and thinks that everything should become reviewable. But at that point, like the NFL is trying to make sure everything stays fast and keeps moving. But, you know, eventually that's going to come back to bite. Eventually it's going to. They need to start holding officials accountable for missed calls. I agree. There needs to be you miss an egregious call. You're out of game. They're not full time officials. It's like it's ridiculous. You either need to make these guys full time officials, make it so their their main source of income is calling NFL games. Or you need to figure out a way to get these calls made when they need to be made. And the thing is, is that it, it's not the matter of what gets called and what doesn't. It's the consistency of it. I could count out on my fingers how many times Ben Roethlisberger has been called or people have been called for hitting Ben Roethlisberger with roughing the passer. You know how many times I've seen Al or uh, Matthew Stafford get called for it? It's a lot. Matthew Stafford gets a lot of roughing the passer calls. All I want is the consistency. And that's all any NFL fan wants. I don't care that you call somebody for holding or roughing the passer or pass interference or what. Just can be consistent about it. If this is pass interference, then this is pass interference. Exactly. And that, that's really what I'm just sick of. The NBA has full-time officials and officiating in the NBA is good outside of Angel Hernandez, Major League Baseball umpiring is relatively consistent. The NHL officials are consistent. The NFL is the worst when it comes to this outside of all of professional soccer because they can't really, like, they have a review system, but it just doesn't get what they need. I'm going to get off my soapbox now and we're going to talk about the surprise of the second half of the NFL season in the Washington football team. Four straight wins heading into Seattle and this is a trap game for the Seahawks. I was talking with Hayden Kincaid on our way out to Purdue on Sunday and we were talking about Seattle's a one-trick pony. It's either they're always passing or they're always running. And that's a dangerous thing to be against the Washington football team. And, and I mentioned one-dimensional offenses when I talked about the Steelers earlier. Seattle's the same way. Seattle, for a lack of, you know, a, a better way of saying this, the, the Seattle Seahawks are not as good as they should be. This defense is not good. This defense is very, very hit or miss uh the run game is also hit or miss because running backs can sometimes stay healthy and sometimes cannot stay healthy and then of course you're looking at russell wilson who has awesome games and then doesn't what's that all about um i don't know if i would call this a trap game because pete carroll is one of the best coaches in the game and russell wilson's one of the best if not the best quarterback in the nfl and if you think that he's going to overlook an opponent I think you're insane. Um, this this to me is what about Washington's offense. We'll talk for days about the defense. Montez Sweat has really come into his own in his second year. Chase Young might be the defensive player of the year this year. 
the secondary almost lockdown. This is a really, really good defense. My question is, is can the offense move the ball? Antonio Gibson, are you playing this week? Terry McLaurin is one of the best young wide receivers in the game. Alex Smith is a great game manager, but Dwayne Haskins is likely to step in and need to, you know, show up a little bit. So that that's where I stand with Washington is what Washington team are we going to see? Uh, and what Seahawks team are we going to see? Are we going to see the one that just hung 40 up against the jets? Or are we going to see the one that lost to the New York giants? Precisely. This is going to be a fun game to watch either way, though. I don't think this is going to be a lopsided game by any stretch of the imagination. That'll take us to our Thursday night football picks. Zach, I'll let you go ahead and start this off. All right. So the Thursday night game this week, the Los Angeles Chargers will be traveling to the Raiders to face Derek Carr in Sin City. Um this is a close game in my mind. Uh, and the reason being um, the fact that I don't know what team I'm going to be watching. Uh, am I about to watch the Kansas City or the game against the Kansas City Chiefs where the Raiders showed up? Or am I about to watch them almost lose to the Jets? Um, the Chargers are not all that good this year, uh, though. There's a lot to like with Justin Herbert. He turns the ball over a lot between fumbles. He's got 10 interceptions on the year. Um, Justin Herbert, 3,400 yards, 25 touchdowns, 10 picks. Derek Carr, 3,300 yards, 24 touchdowns, and seven picks. Uh, so a lot of versatility there. Austin Eckler is back and in full swing. Uh, 407 yards and a touchdown. He did miss quite a few games with an injury. Josh Jacobs, 831 yards, nine touchdowns, came off of an injury last week. Um, the Raiders are looking to sweep the series couple of different injuries for the Raiders. Damon Arnett is going to not be playing Cleland Farrell, Nicholas Morrow, all not playing. Um, I like the chargers in this game to be very honest with you. I think that this is a huge, huge trap game for the Las Vegas Raiders who, as I mentioned, are looking on looking outside, looking in going into uh, the playoffs right now. Uh, I like the chargers on the upset here. I like them by 10. Zach, I know I told you before the show I was going with the Raiders, but just our talk earlier swayed me. I don't think we're going to see the Derek Carr that was an MVP candidate a few years back. I think we're going to see the one that is having issues. You know, I think we're going to see the entire Raiders offense having issues. And honestly... We talk about curses in sports all the time. For you, the curse of the Bambino for Indians just being cursed since 1940 or 62. We talked about all these different sports curses. I think the Raiders leaving Oakland is going to curse this franchise. Don't know for how long, but we're going to find out. And you have to know that the chargers are going to do everything in their power to keep the Raiders out of the playoffs. So what's your pick? Chiefs by a touch Chiefs Chargers by a touchdown. So you and I both like the Chargers over the Raiders this week. Again, uh, just to clarify that the Raiders sitting at seven and six 
on the outside looking in sitting. If you're looking at it from a number standpoint, they are at nine in the AFC behind the Ravens. Uh, the Chargers have already been eliminated from postseason contention. Speaking of uh, just a quick update on the playoffs in the NFL, uh, the Steelers have clinched their spot after Miami lost to the Chiefs this past weekend. Um, and with that Chiefs win, the Chiefs clinched the AFC West. And right now they have the number one seed as they have the be- they have the better record of than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the Packers also, with their win and the loss by the Vikings, clinched the NFC North and their playoff berth. So as it stands right here, right now, uh, there are two teams from each division in the postseason, the Chiefs and the Steelers in the AFC and the Packers and Saints in the NFC. A couple of teams have been eliminated from postseason contention. We have added the Jets, Chargers, Bengals and Jags. Those have all already been eliminated. Uh, The Texans and the Falcons both have been eliminated from playoff contention after their losses this past week. So that will take us into some clinching scenarios for week 15. Quite a few teams can clinch their spots. Uh, So before I go into a lot of them, I'm just going to tell you the teams win and you're in Seattle. If you can go and win your game against the Washington football team, you are in the Rams with a win clinch their playoff spot. So that's the two win and you're in the Steelers have already won their or won their playoff spot with a win over Cincinnati. They clinched the AFC North. The Buffalo Bills clinched the AFC East and a playoff berth with a win at Denver. And then they can clinch or they win the AFC East with a win at Denver or a loss by the Dolphins. And they clinch a playoff spot with a Baltimore loss. Another team that could clinch a playoff spot with a Baltimore loss are the Tennessee Titans. They clinched their spot with a win and a Baltimore loss. So Baltimore loses and two teams get in. Uh, the Saints clinch the NFC North with a win themselves or a Buccaneers loss. Again, the Saints own the tiebreaker over the Buccaneers. And then the Saints already have their playoff spot, but they can get the NFC South. The Buccaneers clinch a playoff spot with a win and then a tie between the Vikings and Bears. And then the Chiefs, who currently hold the first round bye in the AFC, can clinch that this week with a lot with a win and losses by both the Steelers and Bills this week. A lot of fun football going to be played this week, and Vikings and Bears tying is not out of the realm of possibilities. As, when I when I was looking at all the clinching scenarios, there's a couple of them actually in the NFC where people can slip in if there's a tie between the Vikings and the Bears. So that'll take us out as we'll keep an eye on all this and you can check our Twitter and we'll keep it updated on who clinches when. But now we're going to go on to the NBA and Giannis signs a max extension with the Bucks, And this one, I think, was a little unexpected by some people. We know he likes being in Milwaukee, but I didn't know Milwaukee would be able to spend that much money on him. No, I I didn't either. And there was a lot of rumors that Giannis wanted out of Milwaukee. Um, I know that we talked a little bit about, you know, potentially Giannis moving to the Lakers or something like that. He just was going to sign like another year or two contract and said, all right, let's see what this team can do. However, Giannis went and 
stayed with the money. He's got an established plan for the next five years. He's going to make $228 million. He wants to start a family. Giannis is ready to set roots up in Milwaukee and look to finally create a super team in Milwaukee. The other big news, James James Harden said, I'm focused on being here when asked about his uh, trade request. That can be taken a few ways. He's focused on being there because he has to be there or he's focused on being there because he wants to win there. Yeah, James Harden, you're you're really messing with me, man. Um, the Rockets, I don't expect a whole lot from. I mean, I really like John Wall and what he can bring to the table, but he, for, I, I mean this in all respects to John Wall, he is not the threat that Russell Westbrook is. He's not. Um you know, but I, I think it was also a little bit of clashing identities. Harden wants out. He wants to go to the Nets, but the Rockets in return want either Kyrie or KD, and that's not happening. So I don't know if James Harden's going to get traded because I don't think the Rockets are going to get the compensation they want. And I think that's all that the comment of I'm focused on being here per Bleacher Report is all smoke and mirrors. He wants out. He's very aware he wants out. He wants that ring. But where's he going to go? You know, I want to throw this out here just for a minute and tell me your thoughts. What if James Harden gets traded to another team on the West Coast? Maybe a, a, a potential playoff team, a team that, you know, already has a good couple of players to it, but could use a really good shooting guard. Uh, Maybe, maybe this team has a guy who's going to be starring in a movie this year. Uh, A a, a team that is known for having great, great guards. Uh, You know, your, your purple and gold team, the team that really doesn't like the Celtics. What about, what about that team? Do you think James Harden could go to the Los Angeles Lakers? I don't think the Lakers are going to be willing to, give away as much as the Rockets are going to ask for. I think if there's a playoff contender in the West that you could see James Harden get moved to, it's going to be one of two places, the Phoenix Suns or the Golden State Warriors. I could see that Warriors trade, though. That would be awesome. The two best three-point shooters and arguably in the NBA right now, Seth Curry and James Harden. And especially with Klay Thompson out Golden State needs a player like Harden to kind of fill that void. And then you could you could potentially run a three-guard set, a forward, and a center. You could have a potential starting lineup one day of Steph Curry, James Harden, Clay Thompson, and still have Draymond Green out on the floor with whatever big that you decide to put out there. That would be insanity. And, and don't forget their draft pick. Well, the name escapes me at the moment. But yeah, it it could be fun. I think if any team in the West, Golden State has the best chance to land James Harden. I think that would be a fun little trade there. But the, the other thing is, is the compensation. And you see it a lot in a lot of different places, a lot of different shows, a lot of different teams. But I want the value. I could turn to you and say this napkin that I have right here in my hand means a lot to me. And I expect at least $200 for it because I have value in it. You're going to sit there and turn to me and say, Zach, that's a napkin. I'm not giving you 200 bucks for a napkin. You got to look at it from that perspective. The Rockets know they have a star. They know they have the, what they need, but are they going to be able to get the compensation for it, the, that, what they deserve and what they need? And I don't think they do. So that'll take us out of 
uh, NBA. We'll go over to Major League Baseball for a story that broke out uh, just a few days ago. The Cleveland Indians will drop their nickname of more than a century in the near future. Oh, yeah, before I do that. <laughs> the NBA season tips off December 22nd. Preseason is playing right now. And let me tell you, my Cavs are looking pretty good in the preseason. Hey, man, they really are looking really good. And I, I really got to say, I'm excited to watch Cavaliers basketball this year. They're on the rebound, but, you know, it's it's preseason. And you got to keep that in the back of your mind. Now we'll go on to the uh, MLB. Cleveland Indians will drop their nickname of more than a century in the near future. That broke earlier this week. Uh, Zach and I are going to give our favorite picks for it. I have real ones. Zach being the true Red Sox fan that he is has a joke that makes me upset. Uh, But my top picks, uh, my my number two pick, I'm going to go with my number one pick last is going to be the Cleveland Commodores. After Commodore Perry, the hero of the war on the Great Lakes, I would I think that's a great way to honor our hist- our war history here in Ohio. Uh, the one I came up with as a joke, I also really like, uh, and that would be the Cleveland River Burners. For those of you that don't know, that play, uh, pays tribute to the Cuyahoga River in Cleveland, which has caught on fire. On more than one occasion, <laughs> it's not. It hasn't in a while. Hasn't in a while. But my my true number one would be the Cleveland Buckeyes to honor Cleveland's history in the Negro leagues back in the day of segregation. The Cleveland Buckeyes pl- were the Negro uh, league team in America or in uh, Cleveland in the Negro American League, and we've seen them don the Buckeyes jerseys in games before against Kansas City, when Kansas City would wear the Kansas City Monarchs uniforms uh, against the Pittsburgh Pirates, who the Buckeyes won a, uh, they wore a, uh, I can't remember their nickname, but it was the Washington team in that league they won a championship against. I don't think it's going to happen, but the rationale, the defense by so many Indians fans, and I am an Indians fan. I'm going to be sad to see the name go, but it's time to move on. They're still going to be my baseball team no matter what they're called. But really, the defense was it was to sh- uh, appreciate the history of Cleveland having the first Native American baseball player. How fitting would it be to then change it to the name of the team that was around before Jackie Robinson to honor those players, to honor that legacy? The Cleveland Buckeyes are my favorite team, uh, team name that I would like to see. Now, Zach, on the other hand, doesn't have such a heartfelt idea. Zach, would you like to do the honors? So... I'm a Red Sox fan, so I don't have the same tie to the Cleveland Indians as he does. Uh, Born and raised in Cleveland. I'm uh, from the east side of Ohio over near Cleveland. Um, But I am not an Indians fan. I'm a Sox fan. Go Sox. Um, East side, west side. It's always sunny side. (laughs) 
So um, I've got two, and one of them, uh, Jacob, you put down. The other, I uh, you did not. Um, the one that he has written down is the Cleveland baseball team. I just think that would be funny. I think it's a meme. Uh, do I want them to change that to that? No, I'm sad to see the Indians go as well. Uh, again, growing up in Cleveland, the Indians are the th- was the shining light uh, in Cleveland for a little bit of time. The Cavs were a light um, as the Browns were not all that good as I grew up. Things to that extent. Um, the name that I've seen thrown around a lot is the Cleveland Spiders. Um, that was the first name that the team had. They had that for quite a long time. Um, and I, I think that would be fitting to pay homage back to the history of the Cleveland uh, baseball team's overall history. Um, so that's what I was going to say. Uh, we plan to do a baseball show, a pure baseball show. Um, we're going to get that ready for a couple of weeks from now with free agency going on, winter meetings going on right now. Um, so we're going to update you on a couple of those big things, a couple of fun moves that might have happened. Uh, Mike Pence or not Mike Pence, uh, Mike Zanino, Mike Zanino, wrong Mike on my brain. Mike Pence. Mike Zanino resigned with the Rays. Um, yeah, laugh it up, fuzzball. Uh, that's though I, we could get copyrighted for that. Credit that one to Star Wars and Disney. Um, so that that would be what I'm thinking. Um, I think the Cleveland Spiders would be a really good fit for for Cleveland. I I agree with that, but I I would rather go a different direction. If we're gonna go some way like that, I'd rather see the Buckeyes. But I understand where you're coming from. There's a reason the Indians stopped being called the Spiders. But yeah, that's going to take us to overreaction and underreaction. Zach and I will ask each other a question and we will decide whether it is an underreaction or an overreaction. And Zach, I'll start it off with you. The Seattle Seahawks will play for the NFC championship. Overreaction. The Seahawks are not the top tier in the NFC. Now, yeah, they were the last NFC team to be undefeated, but you, you've got too much power in the NFC. Um, the way that I look at it, your NFC playoff race is going to come down to three teams. You're looking at the Green Bay Packers, the New Orleans Saints, and the LA Rams. Um, currently, Green Bay has the number one seed as they beat New Orleans earlier this year. Um, and for the Saints, it's, you know, am I going to see a healthy Drew Brees? I don't think that the Saints can do it because I think that there are other more rounded teams in the NFC. It hurts me to say that I've got a couple of really good friends who are Seahawks fans, but I have to sit here and just look at it from an outside perspective. Russell Wilson's really good. DK Metcalf, Chris Carson, uh, Tyler Lockett, really good. Bobby Wagner is going to be in the Hall of Fame, but this team is not good. This offensive line is just very inconsistent. The defensive secondary has been hurt. Jamal Adams has been the one thing that has saved this defense. And I, I think you find one team that can just shred you off on, on the offensive side of the ball, and you're not going to be able to keep up. So I do not think that the Seattle Seahawks will be playing for the NFC championship game. I think that they make it. um, They make the wild card stage and they lose in the divisional. So that brings it to me towards you overreaction or underreaction. The Washington football team will win out to end the regular season. This is an underreaction. This is very, very possible. Their defense will have to carry them, though, and they're, they're going to have to play like a defense that's going to score you 20 fantasy points every week to make this happen. But they've, they've got the players. 
Chase Young inserting himself into not only defensive rookie of the year uh, conversations, but uh, defensive uh, defensive player of the year. He could do it. It all is going to depend on the offense. Who's going to show up? Is Alex Smith going to be your quarterback? Do you have to go back to Dwayne Haskins? But I look at this. I think that not only will the Washington football team win their last three regular season games, they're going to upset. And I know they'll have the higher seed if they win the NFC East, but whoever they beat is probably, or whoever they play is probably going to have a better record than them. So I'm going to consider that an upset still. They're going to win the first their first playoff game. So to put it into perspective, the Washington football team has Seattle in Washington, the Panthers in Washington, and then has to go to Philadelphia to play the Eagles team that they beat week one, 27 to 17. That would put a record for the Washington football team if they were to win out at nine and seven. So you stand by the fact that you have the Washington football team not only winning their last three games, but going into the postseason at nine and seven. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Okay. You smell where I'm stepping in? I'd rather not. <laughs> Zach, I'm not going to be able to say this without laughing. The New York Jets will score three touchdowns this week. Well, I mean, if you're really looking at it, the New York Jets against the Los Angeles Rams in L.A. uh, at SoFi Stadium, you know, Sam Darnold. No, this is an overreaction. This this isn't even a question. The Jets are going to be lucky to score a field goal on this game. Look, Sam Darnold has 1,500 yards, five touchdowns, nine picks. Jared Goff has 3,500 yards, 18 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. You could take the entirety of this off the offensive touchdowns in this game that'll go into this game, and, say, and Jared Goff has thrown more touchdowns than it. I think he might have even thrown more interceptions than this New York Jets team has scored all year. Look, the, the Jets are the biggest disappointment in football, and it sucks. Um, again, I, I'm from Cleveland. I'm not a Browns fan, but I know what an 0-16 season does to the area of Cleveland. Now, you know, this this sucks. This is not a, a fun team for the Jets. They have had two games that they should have won. You should have beaten New England, and then you should have beaten the Las Vegas Raiders. But no, you you tanked. And I'm so against teams tanking. I, I it, it just... It, it takes away from me the integrity of the game. Your goal of the game is to win every single game. It's not to, you know, tank to get this one guy who could really help. No, Trevor Lawrence is going to get destroyed next year. The biggest difference between Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow is that Joe Burrow went to a team that already had talent in place. You're going to be sending Trevor Lawrence, who we all presume to be the number one pick, into a place where your best weapon uh, is Jamison Crowder, who isn't bad. I'm not shaming Jamison Crowder. You got Jamison Crowder and Denzel Mims. Jamison Crowder, 510 yards and five touchdowns. All five of the passing touchdowns for Sam Darnold have gone to Jamison Crowder. You don't have a really solid O-line. Your defense is terrible. The, the New York Jets are not good, and I'm sorry to be on the soapbox here for a minute because I'm not even a fan of the New York Jets. But the fact that you're tanking, it, it, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. You should not be tanking. Your goal should be to win. And I am, 
I'm just blown away at how bad the Jets are. They're worse than the Cleveland Browns were when they went 0-16, like significantly worse. Yeah, the Browns held the lead in the fourth quarter by 21 points against uh, Green Bay. They had games that went into overtime. The Browns shouldn't have gone 0-16. It was just a culmination of bad circumstances. The Jets aren't even trying, and I think they... I honestly think the NFL should just be like, no, no, we are going to punish you for tanking. I think there should be some form of punishment for tanking. I don't think that you should sit there and and purposely be giving up games. I don't think that that's a thing. And you're never going to see a team go and admit and say, oh, well, we're we're just we're trying our best and it's just not our, our thing. No, 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 no. You you just dropped three points against the Saints when they were or not the Saints, the Seahawks, when they were resting their players halfway through the third. This Jets team is abysmal. I feel genuinely bad for Trevor Lawrence. Sam Darnold, I hope you get traded. I hope that you go to a team where you can potentially have a future. And, you know, let, let's look at the Cleveland formula of things here for a minute. Oh, no, we're doing really bad quick. Throw another quarterback at it. Maybe that'll fix it. That doesn't work. Oh, new head coach. That's been the Cleveland model for years since they came back to Cleveland back in 99. Here, throw another quarterback at it. Throw another coach at it. And it doesn't work. And finally, somebody got it through their head in Cleveland that you need to go and build a team and you need to start nitty gritty, get an offensive line, go bring in a couple of offensive weapons, build the defense. And now look at the Browns. You're nine and three. You're pretty good. You look on the other side of the board, New York. You were a playoff team a couple years ago. New York has been pretty decent. I don't understand where it's coming from. And I, again, I apologize to be on the soapbox, but three touchdowns in a game against the Rams overreaction. You're, you're lucky to get a field goal out of them. If Trevor Lawrence is smart next year too, he will do one of two things. Stay at Clemson or not declare for the draft and go as an undrafted free agent. You know, the other thing I could see is him turning and, tell, and telling the Jets he wants his contract fully guaranteed. Yeah, you see a lot of players nowadays turning and saying that they want more guaranteed money, not incentives and stuff in their contract. Turn and say, I won't sign this contract unless it's fully guaranteed to me. I I think the smartest move for Trevor Lawrence's career, though, would be to not even enter the NFL draft this year. Well, then you're looking at a whole bunch of other quarterbacks. who are going to turn and do the same thing. Exactly. So that takes us to another question. So this is one that we have asked several times on overreaction or underreaction, but this is the question they have for you. The Pittsburgh Steelers are still the biggest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC, and the Steelers are the team to beat. Overreaction or underreaction? Overreaction. Look, the Steelers went 11-0. I'm not taking anything away from that. They have looked awful in the last two games on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball at time, all vice versa. They've looked bad on the offensive side of the ball, and their defense has looked abysmal at times. I think the Bills are right now the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the number one seed. So I'm, I, I, I want to just peg this in here. It's not the defense that's looked abysmal. The defense is still one of the best in the league, even statistically speaking. Which is why I said at times. At times, yeah, in the last injuries games, hurt. 
Exactly. If the Steelers are healthy this week, if the Steelers are healthy when they play the Browns week 17, yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen. And the Bills are playing really well right now. I think the Buffalo Bills are the biggest competition for the number one seed in the AFC. So I'm also going to disagree with you on that. I think the the number one seed belongs to the Chiefs. I don't see any way Pittsburgh catches up. Um, as I've mentioned, the Steelers would need to win out. So at Cincinnati, in Pittsburgh versus the Colts, and then at Cleveland week 17. The Chiefs have to go to the Superdome and play the Saints this week. Have to, And then they get the Falcons and Chargers in that order. I think the number one seed belongs to the Chiefs, unfortunately speaking. But I think the biggest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs is the Miami Dolphins. And like, you, you look at what they just did this past week. If, again, if I'm the Chiefs, I don't think I want to see Miami in the postseason at all. And there are scenarios where Miami falls out completely. Miami currently sits at the seven seed with Baltimore, the Raiders and the Patriots all right there behind them. I think that you could see a Miami team play really well against the Chiefs. But I think if I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I want to see the Ravens at that seven seed before I want to see the Miami Dolphins at that seven seed. And finally, Zach, our last one today, Josh Allen has reinstated himself into the MVP conversation. I think this is an overreaction. Look, Josh Allen is my preseason MVP. And he was playing well to start the season. Then he had a, a little bit of a slump. I think he is definitely, definitely going to get MVP one day. Josh Allen has been playing really well. He's got the offensive weapons around him to make a push. The defense is really good. But this year, no, I, I think that the MVP is Aaron Rodgers' trophy to lose. Yeah, Mr. A.A. Ron Rodgers rates over here. He's, I've said it before and I'll say it again. You can put a janitor on the field with Aaron Rodgers and he'll make him a pro bowler. Well, that's going to do it for us, Zach. Any final thoughts? It's championship weekend in college football. What do you need to know? Who do you need to win to get your favorite team in the college football playoff? You have any questions about that? Need to know how the Buckeyes are going to do well, how Clemson is going to do this week against Notre Dame. Well, well, I kind of have an answer for you, but you're going to have to wait and see until Thursday. Friday. We're going to have another, or Friday, excuse me, is when it'll drop. Thursday is when you record because I'm fun. Uh, that's when we're going to get all that fun stuff out there for you. We might even drop a little bit of a, a hint onto Saturday night or Saturday football as we have Saturday football in the NFL this week. So be sure to tune into that show because it's officially conference championship weekend in college. We'll have every conference championship from the Mac to the Sun Belt covered in this one. Well, that's going to do it for us here on Smith and Seidel. Thanks, Zach, as always, for the great conversation. Our intro and outro music is by Bobby Quinn Creative Music Production. You can find him on Fiverr.com by searching Bobby Quinn Creative C. Our Smith and Seidel logo was created by Dylan Hunter, a student here at Bowling Green State University who does amazing jobs. Dylan, I, I really can't say enough how much I love this logo. And merch, merch may be coming soon. Might, might have an announcement on that on Twitter. Smith and Seidel Show, go find us. You can find our Discord server with the same name. But until Friday, I'm Jacob Seidel. 
For Zach Smith, signing off. Reminding you to stay safe, stay healthy, and I Ziggy Zumba. <laughs> <laughs>